You are now listening to Raise the W, recorded at the School of Communication inside the Hickey Audio Lab on the beautiful campus of Western Michigan University. Come aboard and hear the people, stories, and impact of Western Michigan University. Here's your host, Tim Tarantine. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Raise the W, the podcast where we explore the impact and happenings of Western Michigan University. Today is a special day. I have in studio with me my friend. He is the dean of the Mid-American Conference. He is the most winningest coach in men's basketball history at Western Michigan University. Ladies and gentlemen, Steve Hawkins. Good, good to see you, Tim. And I, I mean, uh, how am I supposed to top that? What are we going to talk about now that you've given me that intro? Well, I tell you, first of all, you should let me guest announce a game. I've always wanted to do that. I could come out and make the crowd crazy, but Kathy would fire both of us if it, it happened. It, it might be worth it. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be fun. So, Coach Hawkins, uh, everyone listening who knows Bronco basketball knows that you've been our most successful coach in the history of men's basketball. And they know that you love this community. They know your impact on Kalamazoo. They know how you love young men. But I don't know that they know you. Mm-hmm. So tell us about the neighborhood you grew up in. Describe <laughs> for the for the listening audience, what was it like as a, as a small kid growing up? P- put us in your neighborhood. Our neighborhood. Okay. Um, Southern California, Ventura, California to be exact. Yeah. I'm the son of an oil fill worker as well as a secretary. Um, Neither one of them graduated from high school. Uh, It was a very blue-collar neighborhood, Um, mostly Hispanic. Uh, I was probably one of, I don't know, our family was probably four or five of about 40 in in the neighborhood that were not Hispanic. Wow. And so you drove through our neighborhood at 5 o'clock at night, and it smelled great. Okay, yeah. the Mexican food in that neighborhood was unbelievable. Sure. All right, so um, there were 10 of us that were all uh, born and raised and brought home within one year of each other. The crazy thing about it is to this day, my dad lives at 3097 Channel Drive, and so do all of those other parents. They still live in the same neighborhood. Are you kidding We've me? lost a couple, including my mother, but uh, everybody else is still right there. 10 families. Is what you're talking about. Or there were 10 kids in your family. No, there were 10 kids in the neighborhood that were all within one year of each other. Wow. And then there right. were, I mean, a host of others. So there were kids everywhere. So you had a group of friends. You had a team back then. <laughs> we, had, we we absolutely had a team. You you named the sport. I mean, and it, it, we grew, it was just like when a lot of people were kids. I mean, when, when it was football season, we were up at the school playing football. Yeah. You know, we had an elementary school that we all went to right up the street from the house. And when it was um, when it was football season, we were out there playing football. When it was baseball season, we played little league together. When it was basketball season, this is the glorious part. Um, we had on at this elementary school, there was an eight foot high rim and a nine foot high rim. Oh boy! And so we call it dunk ball. Five slamma jamma. Yeah, and I don't yeah. and I don't mean to be too stereotypical here. You're exactly right. Yeah. I don't want to be too, but Hispanics notoriously are not real big. So yeah. I was the big guy. All right, and, and on yeah. the dunk court. So I, I've always on the dunk court. That's right. I tell <laughs> I tell our guys all the time I'm six ten and a five ten body. Yeah, uh, that's that's and sure. it all it all happened at Blanche Reynolds School, uh, right up the street from our house. So 
did you go on to play basketball as well, or is basketball one of those things you loved so much that you picked it up as a coach? No, it's more that um, we played all the way through. Uh, I played all the way through elementary school, middle school. When I got to high school, I played football and um, had more of an opportunity in football than there was in basketball. Uh, again, being 5'10", I found out that I was 5'10". Yeah. And and so sure. there was more of an opportunity there. Um, the knees went kaput playing football. Um, that pretty much ended that at the end of my senior year. Started thinking about what I want to do with the rest of my life, which I knew I wanted to coach and teach. Didn't know it was going to be college ball yet, though. And um, knew I wanted to coach and teach. And it was right about then that I was uh, that I started working John Wooden's basketball camps and that yeah. kind of flipped the switch uh, in my neighborhood for good. That uh, changed that. That, cha- that was a game changer on it, and it was needed. Um, things in my neighborhood, uh, there were a lot of people doing things, my buddies. Yeah. You know, the, we were starting to get in trouble, sure. and and um, and if if I had not met Coach Wooden, despite the fact that my dad was a strict disciplinarian, I was terrified of him. And, and got the backside of his hand on more sure. than one occasion. Yeah. But um, when I met Coach Wooden, uh, that was a chance that, uh, that things started to turn in a positive direction. So tell me how you met John Wooden. You, you worked the camps, but who hooked you up? Like, I mean, that UCLA, this man is the most winningest coach in coaching history, right? And, and you're there. Like, how do you get there from where you're from? What happened? Yeah, when I was a kid, I attended his camp. And then yeah. after I attended his camp, so I knew about them. Uh, I coached, as I mentioned, uh, when the knees went kaput, I was going to a junior college. Right. Uh, and when I was going to the junior college, my parents were on me to get a job. So uh, I found on the job board at the junior college that Villanova Prep High School in Ojai, California, which was right up about 20 minutes away, sure. needed a freshman coach. And so I interviewed for that job. The only guy that interviewed so I got the job <laughs> and I was paid $250 for the season and that got my parents off my case and that was that was my first job and while I was there uh, the coach the head coach there had gotten a flyer um, seeking uh, seeking anybody that was interested in working coach Wooden's camps Wow so I put in my application and that was the first are. summer of working it and that led to the next, I don't know, nine or ten years. So over those nine or ten years, and this is not a fair question, I want to acknowledge that from the beginning. It's not fair. But if you could characterize the impact that John Wooden had on you uh, on the front of a T-shirt, how would you communicate it? Um, now you're only talking about a few words. <laughs> yeah, um, on the front of it, t- I'll tell you what the best way I can answer that. Yeah. Okay. Is is I have this would be a shock to probably some of the listeners. I have three tattoos yeah. on my body. Sure. Okay. One of them over my heart is my family. All the names of my family, my girls, uh, my wife, as well as my stepson. Sure. On uh, one arm is the Western Michigan logo. Sure. Okay. And on the other arm is Coach Wooden's definition of success. Mm. Okay, and so I would put, uh, if I were to summarize what would go on that T-shirt, it's right what we base our program on at Western Michigan. Every one of our recruits, every one of our players 
has heard this a number of times. <laughs> yeah, right. Su- success is peace of mind, which is a direct result of self-satisfaction, which comes from knowing you did your best to become the best you're capable of becoming. Now, what in the world did I just say? Success has nothing to do with your record. Okay, uh, that scoreboard could lie to you. You could play really well in a game and, and lose. lose. That's right. You could play awful in a game and win. The scoreboard will lie to you. Same thing, grades. You know, you could you could underachieve. In the business world, you can hit a quota and underachieve. Um, so it's, a, it's about being at peace with yourself. And the only way Coach Wooden felt like you could be at peace with yourself is by doing everything you could possibly do every day to be as good as you're capable of of being you brought that with you to western where were you in between ucla and western michigan holy cow um so it was people make fun of the seven-year plan yeah. I, I did the seven-year plan sure okay i hated school you were you were listening to one of the world's worst students okay <laughs> i graduated with a 2.23 in physical education from the university of south alabama yeah. the harvard of the south you had a Lord Have Mercy report card. I had exactly that. Yeah. People, people, we joke, we joke about it, but it was, um, you know, some people graduate summa cum laude, some people graduate cum laude. Uh, I like to say I graduated a laude, which is when <laughs> I walked across the stage, my parents said, a laude, that oh, boy's wow. finally done. I love it. Uh, so it was, it was a, that took me seven years to get through it, and then, uh, and then from there, I became a graduate assistant at Quincy University in Quincy, yeah, Illinois. Sure. Went from there to two years. My first real job was at St. Andrews College, an NAI school in North Carolina, where I was the uh, assistant coach, taught phys ed classes, uh, taught a golf class, um, got $12,000 a year. I did such a good job that first year, they gave (laughs) me a $500 raise. Watch out there now. That's exactly right. And then a year later, returned to Quincy as an assistant coach making $18,000. I was in the big bucks now. Sure. And then my boss left after one year, and <laughs> I was uh, I was named head coach wow. at Quincy, uh, where I spent the next nine years right. as the head coach at Quincy before I came to Western Michigan as an assistant with Robert McCollum, who was here for three years. And then after that, I was named head coach, been here ever since. Yeah. Bronco. This is home. This is home. Uh, the name of the high school you had your first first job at again starts with a V. Villanova Prep. Villanova Prep. From Villanova Prep to your 2016-17 team, how have young people changed, and how have you changed as a coach in relationship to those changes? I don't think young people have changed. I think that um, I think that what we have access to has. Um, here's another coach wouldn't. Um, situation for you. So my job with Coach Wooden was uh, in large part to pick him up in the morning and take him home in the afternoons. That was a half hour drive each direction. Uh, We were rarely by ourselves. In the mornings we would be because it was so early. But in the afternoon there was always a reporter, there was always a coach, somebody asking him questions. And one day we were in the car and this reporter asked him a question which I'd heard a number of times and I knew the porter was getting ready to get blasted. (laughs) Um, because they asked him, you know, coach, do do you think you could coach young people today? I mean, they've got their, their, their shorts down around the rear end. They've got, they've got dreadlocks. They've got tattoos. Do you think you could do that? And, and I knew that he was expecting coach Wooden to say, yeah, that it'd be a problem. And coach Wooden's response was, of course I could young man. 
He said, let me ask you something. Do you think it was easy coaching during the Vietnam War? Do you think it was easy coaching during the sexual revolution? Do you think it was easy coaching during that time? Of course it wasn't. Young people have always rebelled. They call the college years a transitional period for a reason. They're, they're trying to find themselves. Sure. And so uh, that part has not changed. Yeah. Maybe the hairstyles have changed. You actually asked the guy. He said, let me ask you something. He said, you, get, you got mutton chops? Did you have mutton? Did you wear bell bottoms? Yeah. You know, things like that. And, and so he got his point across. And I don't think young people have changed. I do think that uh, social media, things like that, yeah. have, uh, have changed our world a little bit. No question about it. So basketball um, is a game that teaches so much about life. And I know for you, it's always been about developing young men, right? And so as you think about the years you've had to this point, developing young men, what do you enjoy most about coaching? Why, why do you do it? I mean, I, if we see you on the sidelines, sometimes I'm like, man, I got to get Hawk an inhaler or something. He's getting ready to lose it. Like all that stress, right? All that pressure. What is it about coaching that uh, just lights your fire? Well, the pressure part of things to me, you know, people talk about stress and pressure. To me, stress and pressure would be um, doing a job that I did not want to do. Uh, to me, if I had to get up in the morning and dig a ditch, I would be in trouble. That's stress and pressure. That's stress and pressure to yeah. me. I would not want to be doing that. Um, the fact that people talk about you up in the stands or write about you in the newspaper, that's elevator music at, at this point in time to me. I, I don't even hear it. You don't. You just kind of get immune to it. Now, my wife is a different situation. Sure, she she's hears ready all that. To go. She has to sit up there and she defends her husband. Yeah. Um, but for me, that part of things isn't really there. Why I do what I do is the kids. Um, we think that the basketball court is a classroom, um, and it's a it's a t it's a tool at which you can help young people get ready for life after the ball is done bouncing. My psych my minor was in psych. Uh, studies have shown that at this level, we we could do very little normally to impact a young man's morals, ethics, a value system. Sure. Studies have also shown that we can have an impact on the way they're going to approach the rest of their life, work ethic, um, what it takes to succeed, things along those lines. Sure. When I get, I was just uh, in Indianapolis this past weekend recruiting, and I had lunch with one of my former players at Quincy. I was best man in his wedding, uh, a guy named Matt Steffi, and I just had lunch with him. That is why I do what I do. I just got an email from Flanard Whitfield's mother. Um, yesterday, uh, who wrote some things that actually brought tears to my eyes uh, about what I meant to her and what about what our program meant to Flanard. Uh, Mikey Douglas is in the is in the area still, yeah. and I hear from him. When you when you talk to former players and when they come back, uh, Joe Wrights and Brian Snyder. I'll be over at Brian Snyder's house next Friday. We're grilling out. Sure. You know, and so when you when you do those things, um, and you see guys go on. Uh, we want to win championships, obviously, you know, and we're highly, highly competitive people. That gets me going day to day. Um, but the meaning, the, the real power has to do with the relationships that are enduring. Hawk, you've been, uh, you've been quite, quite the ambassador for this university and for our conference. I think the MAC conference 
uh, continues to thrive, partly because we have folks like you. And uh, we certainly are glad you're here. We got to bring you back for another show uh, regarding some projects you're working on because recruiting is getting more tough. But if you could just give us a 30-second, and I do mean 30-second, <laughs> uh, commercial about um, w- some of the cool things you're working on right now uh, before we get off the podcast today, because I think our, our folks who are listening want to help. And if they know what you're doing, they might uh, step up to do so. Yeah, the, so the biggest area uh, that we need to improve upon, the, the lifeblood of any program is recruiting. Sure. And so what we have going on right now is we're redoing our locker room. That's project number one. Uh, project number two, we're trying to redo the inside of the arena to spruce it up. Um, and I think that we're moving well in that direction. The real project that needs to get done in the future is a practice facility. Right. Uh, we need a home for men's and women's basketball um, where the kids have access to it daily. Uh, that's what's going on. That, if we do those things, we're keeping up with the Joneses. Yeah, and recruiting is getting tougher and tougher. Every day. It's getting yeah. tougher and tougher, and it's bells and whistles. We're dealing with 16-year-old, 16-year-old kids, their parents, and they're all blind. Yeah. You know, they, they see what they see when they walk through the door and on campus for the first time. Yeah. Coach, great to have you on. We're going to have you back so we can go into more detail later. But thanks for being on the podcast today, man. I appreciate it. Fight on. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to know more about Coach Hawkins, the team, the upcoming season, or how you can help coach and the team raise the W by helping us recruit better this coming season, go to mywmu.com and you will find uh, more information about Coach, about the team, about how you can give, about how you can volunteer, and maybe how you can come check us out at University Arena one night this coming season. Thanks for being on the podcast, all of you today. And, of course, if you get some time and you really think Western's great, I do, raise the W.